Think about this. Jesus bore a Stephanos, a crown of thorns, in order that he might place upon us imperishable crowns, crowns of rejoicing, crowns of righteousness, crowns of glory, and crowns of life. Welcome to the Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we are looking at a message entitled, A Servant to All, 1 Corinthians 9, 15 through 27. Our first point is, entrusted with a stewardship, verses 15 through 18. Second, verses 19 through 23, a servant to all. And finally, verses 24 through 29, run for the crown. In verse 20, Paul said concerning the Jews, and to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. Uh, being a Jew for Paul was natural because he was Jewish. After all, he had a great lineage of faith. In Philippians 3, verses 4 through 6, we read a bit of Paul talking about his lineage of faith. He says, If anybody thinks he might have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. The challenge for Paul was to take his knowledge of Judaism and to point his people to Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3, verses 24 and 25, Paul said, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. The law that God had given, referring to the Mosaic law, was a tutor to watch over the Jewish people, but also to point them to Christ. The law was to watch over the Jewish people and show them their own inability to keep the law, that they might realize that it was beyond their human capability. Salvation was indeed impossible apart from the grace and the mercy of God that was poured out there on the cross through Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection. Paul had a great love for his Jewish brethren. His heart's desire was that his people would come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
He also understood that the gospel message was for the Jew first. As he said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul knew that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for anyone to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. By saying for the Jew first, Paul acknowledged that salvation is of the Jews, meaning that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. Paul's words and also for the Greek acknowledges that the gospel is for anyone whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. In verse 21, he speaks of the Gentiles, the whosoever, not Jewish, but Gentiles. Basically, uh, if you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile. To those who are without the law, as without law, that I might win those who are without law. Paul said, to those who are without law, I became as without law. We need to realize that from Adam to Moses, the Mosaic law did not exist. Yet all races of people were held accountable to God. This is seen through the judgment of God in the flood. Now the Gentiles and the Jews were accountable to the law of Christ, both the Gentiles and the Jews. Paul said in Romans 2 verses 12, and, verse 12 first of all, and then Romans 3.23. Romans 2.12 says, For as many as have sinned without the law will perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Whether in the law, the Jewish people, or without the law, those who are not Jewish, the Gentiles, God will judge. For the Bible tells us, Romans 3.23, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Those who are without the Mosaic law, the Gentiles, Paul conducted himself as a Gentile that he might win them to Christ. For Paul, this meant that he did not hold himself to a kosher diet. When he was hanging around with the Gentiles, he ate what they ate. It also meant that he did not hold to the Jewish custom of shunning Gentiles. We learn of this with the Apostle Peter when he went to the house of Cornelius in Acts 10.28, he said, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Basically, Peter was saying, I have never kept company with the Gentile. I've never been in a Gentile's home before. But Jesus showed me that I cannot continue on in this attitude because I should not call any man common or unclean. So for Paul to say that I have become as a Gentile, it didn't mean that he stopped being Jewish. But while he was with the Gentiles, he lived as the Gentiles. He ate their food. He hung around with the Gentiles. This was especially true in the city of Corinth. He remained there for a year and a half, and we learn in Acts 18, 5 through 6, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit, and he testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. 
But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. There in the city of Corinth, he, he turned to the Gentiles. And although the message of the gospel is to be preached first to the Jews through the rejection of Jesus Christ, they judged themselves unworthy to receive everlasting life. Therefore, Paul, Silas, Timothy, they turned their attention to the hungry-hearted Gentiles. Paul goes on to say, in verses 22 through 23, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Perhaps not referring to physical weakness, but here to those who are spiritually weak. Paul came alongside. He ministered to them to win them to Christ that he might strengthen their faith. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 2 through 5. This was Paul's attitude when he came to Corinth. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Although Paul was an educated man, he was determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, a message that he presented in weakness, fear, and much trembling. And I believe the church today would do well to present this same message. Jesus Christ and him crucified, for truly it is the power of God to change lives. Paul learned to maneuver himself around both Jews and Gentiles, the weak and the strong, no matter the class of people. And his purpose in doing this was to win people to Christ. Yet Paul did not see himself as superior over those that he had won to the faith, but as a fellow heir. He did not think that he was superior. He said in verse 23, I do this for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Together we are part of the body of Christ. The Apostle John said a similar thing in 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, that we together can fellowship with the Father and our Savior, Jesus. I don't believe that Paul lived a compromised life, but while standing in his faith as a believer in Jesus Christ, he had learned to become all things to all people that he might win some. And like Paul, may we become all things to all people with the desire, the goal, that we might win some to the faith. When you're out and about or online or however we communicate these days, a little more difficult, is there the thought in the back of your mind that, Perhaps I can help win this individual, this person, to faith in Jesus Christ today. Are you praying for such things? It should be our heart's desire as believers in Jesus Christ. And finally, verses 24 through 27, to close out our passage today, 
I read the context. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run it in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain perishable crowns, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul says here in verses 24 through 27, to run for the crown. He said, don't you know that those who run in a race, they all run that they might receive the prize. They're all going for the first place, basically is what he's saying here. And that we are to run in such a way that we may obtain the prize, the crown he would speak of in a moment. We're all to run our race while abiding under the pressures of this life. We are to run in such a way that we will obtain the prize of salvation, the crown uh, or crowns, as I'll mention in a moment, that God has for those who believe. It's not by works, but God's grace that we are saved. But as believers, we are to conduct ourselves as such. Hebrews 10.36 tells us, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. We're to run with endurance, our race of faith. When I was 20 years old, my brother-in-law and I, both off work because of winter, both being construction workers, well, that winter we began lifting weights together. As winter turned to spring, we started adding running to our routine. And we began to run at the time, it may still be called this, but we would run down to Illinois Beach State Park Hotel. It was a few miles away from where we lived on the shoreline of Lake Michigan. Every run, my side would ache tremendously. But since my brother-in-law kept running, I kept running. And you can bet if he would have said, I need to take a break, I would have said, no problem. I would have acted like he was the one that was in trouble, when in reality, I was the one in trouble. From my perspective, that man could run, and it was all I could do to stay in pace with him, stride for stride, as we ran to the hotel and back. Several years later, I learned from my sister that my brother-in-law often wanted to stop and rest during our run. But from his perspective, I was the one who could run. And if I didn't stop, he wouldn't stop. And we unknowingly completed our course, each wanting to stop, but not willing to show weakness by being the first to stop. We ran through the pain. As you can imagine, the more we ran, the easier it became. And having been strengthened because of the race that was set before us, we were strengthened to run with endurance. But also Paul said, we are to train for the crown, verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Those who compete for the prize. Agonizomai is the Greek word. It means to enter a contest, to contend, actually to 
contend with uh, adversary or to fight. It speaks about the struggle that's involved in athletic competitions. They were temperate. It speaks about the disciplining of the body, the training of an athlete for that competition. But they're competing for a crown. The crown that Paul mentions here is a Stephanos. It's a wreath or a victor's crown that was given much like in the Olympics, the original. Uh, go back to the Corinthian games. They had these um, wreaths that were made from vines that were wrapped around into a crown and placed on their head. But the vines, once they're cut away and made into this crown, it would wither and die. Paul teaches the Christians that we are competing for an imperishable crown. In fact, the New Testament names several crowns. In 2 Timothy 4.8, we are to compete for a crown of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 9.25, as we've already read, an imperishable crown. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, a crown of rejoicing. 1 Peter 5.4, a crown of glory. And James 1.13, the crown of life. Think about this. Jesus bore a Stephanos, a crown of thorns, in order that he might place upon us imperishable crowns, crowns of rejoicing, crowns of righteousness, crowns of glory, and crowns of life. So Paul says we are to discipline to win, verses 26 and 27. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be become disqualified. Paul ran for the prize of heaven in mind, not shadow boxing, or, but fighting with a purpose. Yet notice the enemy that he mentioned was not unbelievers. He did not mention the devil. He mentioned his own flesh. He said, I discipline my body. It literally means in the Greek to strike under the eye. It's translated in the King James to keep under, to buffet the body. It speaks about uh, suppressing his fleshly desires to keep himself spiritually fit. He made his discipline, his body, he brought it into subjection. It means to bring into bondage or to make a slave. That when he preached the gospel, when he heralded the gospel to others, he himself would not become disqualified. And this speaks about a Greek word that something is tested and it's rejected. Of a person, we would think of someone who is put on a test and they failed the test. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and 6, it says, Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you know that we are not disqualified. But Paul said to test ourselves. We're not saved by our works. I've already mentioned that in this message. But once saved, we are to live as the redeemed. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Therefore we are to endure hardships as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. God has set a course for each of us to run in this life. 
And too often we like to look at other people's courses that God has set before them and desire that course. God, why do you have me on this course? Why can't I be running that guy's ministry or running that person's or that gal's course? Yet God has called each of us to run our race. Every one of us, although we have different starting points, we all run toward the same goal, and this goal is Jesus Christ. Paul said in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I ask you today, are you pressing toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? We've learned today in this message that I titled, A Servant to All. In 1 Corinthians 9 verses 15 through 27, we have seen that Paul was entrusted with a stewardship in verses 15 through 18. And having been entrusted with a stewardship, may we also be found faithful. A servant to all, verses 19 through 23, like Paul, may we become all things to all people that we might win some to the faith. We realize, even Paul realized, I'm not going to win everyone, but Lord, help me to win some. And finally, verses 24 through 27, to run for the crown. Again, are you pressing toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? It is my hope that you are. It is my hope that you have realized that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and it is my hope that you have received his gift of salvation through faith in his name. Our church motto is believe, receive, grow, and go. And in this, this speaks about someone coming to faith, but also uh, not only growing in their faith, but sharing their faith with others. And so we have attached to the believe, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The process of salvation begins with belief in God. You have to believe that there is a God. Secondly, we have to receive God's gift of salvation through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.17 tells us, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, speaking about Adam, much more those who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Once we believe that there is a God, once we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we are to grow in our faith. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And finally, as we grow, as we grow, we also need to go. So I don't believe that I'll ever arrive, but as we grow in our faith, we are to be about going, making disciples of all nations, according to Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. If you have asked Jesus or would like to ask Jesus to be your Savior, if you have questions about faith, please email us at cclv 
at comcast.net. CCLV at comcast.net. But first, I would like to pray for those who perhaps have those questions. And Father, it's my prayer right now that if there is someone, Lord, who is without faith, or someone, Lord, who is struggling in faith, that they would understand that all they need to do is right now at this hour cry out to you, a living God who saves, our living God. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, touch their lives in a special way. Lord, for those who perhaps have strayed away from the faith, bring them home this very hour. Let them recommit themselves to you, that they might, from this day forward, walk in fellowship with you. For those, Lord, who do not know you as Savior, let this day be the day of their salvation by crying out to you in life-saving faith, by crying out to you simply saying, Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins, and I accept you, Lord, as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.